Hey, it's Heidi Dawson, and this is Wednesday Wisdom, where I interview wildly successful people from across the world, where we get an inside view into what their daily life looks like. Success leaves clues, and on Wednesdays, we're finding them. Join me now for the latest wildly successful interview. Hi guys, welcome to episode 71 of the Wildly Successful Lifestyle Podcast and it's Wednesday Wisdom. So you know I have someone fabulous on today. Uh, The brain is super fascinating and today I have as my guest the brain coach. That is her handle on Instagram and if you don't follow her, I encourage you to do it now, like do it right now. (laughs) She's so good and she's a third year doctoral student in clinical neuropsychology, which is even just hard for me to say, but (laughs) that she's ninth year of post-secondary education studying psychology, and she brings encouragement and self-help tools to over 300,000 people on Instagram, and she's just so interesting as well. (laughs) So here I am, I'm going to introduce you to Noel. Am I saying your name right? Yes, you are. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, You know, I definitely love the way you do your Instagram and I love, I love all of your, like your about me, the, the video it's, they're really well done. (laughs) How do you find time to do that being a student? I think all my free time just goes into this labor of love and I really enjoy it. That's why I can um, take out so much time for it, honestly. (laughs) Right. Cause you enjoy it. All right. So I have a couple questions that I love to ask everyone. And the first two will be ones that I just, I'm curious about. And I think a lot of people are curious because we like to see what works for other people. Um, so do you have, uh, being busy as a student, do you have a regular morning routine that you do every morning? I definitely try to keep a morning routine. Um, so basically, Usually I try to wake up at seven. I'm a very morning person. Um, And the first thing I do is physical activity. It can be anything. So today I went for a run and it was great. Um, And then I come back, have a cup of coffee and do some journaling. And it could be like five to 10 minutes. So those are the two things that I try my best to do every morning. Um, And then usually I would make my schedule for the day. So this would like allow me to keep on track and, you know, start my day in an organized way. Um, And I really, really find that to be productive. So, and yeah. And then I try to just end everything by 8 p.m. I check out and then I just do whatever I want to do. Okay. That's really good. 8 p.m. is a nice time. I, I generally like to be in bed by nine. So it, I like eight hours of sleep, which I think is one of the questions that I'm going to ask next, next, because I, I, a lot of people say eight hours and if I don't get eight hours, I mean, I am sort of a mess. Like I just, I like to have seven to eight hours for sure. So how many hours of sleep do you get then? And, and do you think that that is ideal for optimal brain function to have a lot of sleep? <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a fine balance between sleep. Too much sleep is also not good, um, especially for our cognitive capacity and the way we uh, process things. You know, go to a lecture and can you sit in a lecture for three hours? That's something that requires your brain to work. And if you don't get enough sleep or too much sleep, your brain is kind of um, imbalanced. Uh, So, 
I think the good uh, a sweet spot is between six to eight hours of sleep. And I try to also aim for between those hours. It depends from person to person too. I, I can see that. Yeah, it definitely would depend. And getting when I have gotten too much sleep, I do feel like I almost, it's almost as bad as getting not enough sleep. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I actually get a really bad headache if I sleep too I much well. or if I nap for too long. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Napping to me, like I'm not a huge napper. My husband does like to sleep, like take a nap in the afternoon and sometimes I'll lay down, but I, I'm not a huge napper. You know, I don't know. That's, it's just, I don't know. I'm not tired <laughs> in the afternoon usually. <laughs> so, okay, good. All right. So six to eight hours and too much sleep is almost as bad as getting not enough sleep. I love that. I can live, I live by that. All right, so now you immigrated to Canada from Pakistan at 12, correct? Mm -hmm. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Okay, all right, so was it difficult as a young girl immigrating to a new country? Definitely, it was really difficult. I um, didn't realize at that age what I was getting into or what was happening, but now that I reflect back on it, it's just, I realize how, um, difficult it was but how mostly how it was hard for me to just fit in into an environment that was literally 180 it was just the cultural aspect of things the language the people it was completely different and even now in adulthood that part of me still exists and sometimes I feel outed but I think it's more of an internal thing than an external thing now uh, because you know we all kind of we're all the same really and we all Isn't that interact true? in the same way yeah so when it comes down to it it's more you know talking to people feeling self-conscious when you can't pronounce specific words um kids are also savages by the way so oh at terrible, 12, terrible. especially at <laughs> that at 12 13 <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, there was, I, I remember um, one of the things that happened initially. Uh, so back home, we would stand up and answer our teacher in class. And when I came here, I got up and started answering the question. Yeah. And this 12 year old me is like, you know, trying to answer a question. And everyone around me is just giggling. And yeah, I have no idea what's happening. So then my teacher had to like politely later on tell me like, okay, so you don't have to stand up if you, you know, have to answer a question. It's totally okay if you keep sitting down and do it. And <laughs> yeah, I, re I really remember that vividly because it was like one of those, you know, confusing moments because it's a, it's a clash in culture. Yeah, it's completely different. I mean, you had, you're coming from a totally different culture and did you have to learn the language or it was, did you already know English? I did know English to an extent, but uh, the way we learn English there is it's with an accent and the accent is heavy enough that you know you have to improve it so you're not uh recognized that way like you you adapt to the language that you speak here right so right. that's what i did yeah wow okay all right so that's really so yeah because you don't have a strong accent i mean but that's it's you have almost no accent which is yeah, interesting. Have, did you have to study like did you have to go to certain classes for that or is it just I didn't have no I my sister's a year younger so we really tried to talk in English with each other okay all the time yeah. so I think that really helped us and we are also social so we tried to you know 
interact with other kids and try to make friends and just talk in English the entire time. And now it's actually weird for us to talk in our own language with each other. Right. It's, it's immersion. It's yeah. immersion. Like I, I love, uh, my husband's family is German. And so we, I took German in college and going and taking classes to me was not anywhere near as good as when we go over there. And I mean, most of his family doesn't speak English at all. So you basically either speak German or you are not speaking at all, you know, so I, you learn fairly quickly when you're immersed in it. So, I mean, I think the best way to learn a new language is to just throw yourself in there, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly absolutely. the way you did it, which is perfect. Absolutely. All right. So now how did you decide that you wanted to study psychology and human behavior? I mean, I think that is one of the most fascinating topics to me. Same here. I, it's something that was completely new to me uh, growing up because it's not really considered um, a field that's highly recognized, especially, you know, in Pakistan. And even here, a lot of people don't think it's an actual science when it is. Um, just because we can't see the disorder doesn't mean it doesn't exist, right? right. So. That's what fascinated me and, our, and human behavior in general, how a lot of us behave in a similar way and think in a similar way when we're feeling certain feelings really, really impressed me. And I used to read books on it in high school. And then I got into uh, neuroscience for my bachelor's. So I did a bachelor's in neuroscience and that was like a biopsych double major. And that's where I decided, okay, I want to go to the psych part because it's just so fascinating. And I see people in my life that have been impacted by mental health issues. And I don't know how to help because the knowledge is lacking in so many families. So that, that's what really like propelled that me to so, go for. so true. It's for sure. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we don't focus, we, we didn't used to focus much on mental health. Like it, the only time we would address mental health is when somebody was really, really bad off, you know? Mm -hmm. So now I think that we're being more proactive on it. And just like your Instagram is so helpful, it makes people look at their own life and go, okay, uh, how am I handling my anxiety? you know, or how, uh, am I being, uh, you have so many different topics that you talk about and it really does make it easy for like the layman that we're, you know, like me, I'm having trouble pronouncing neuropsychology, <laughs> you know, for those of us that aren't brain scientists or doctors, it makes it so clear and easy. And I love that. And that was one of the things that really drew me to want to interview you for the podcast because I knew that we would be able to, to come up with some really good stuff for the, for the episode with so many people really wanting to improve not only their physical health, but also now their mental health. It's become a really big thing. So um, now your, your Instagram is filled with, I mean, the formulas that you have are so uplifting uh, and it's really inspiring and helpful. And one thing that you do talk about is our self-talk. Um, I've read enough to know that like we have so many thousands and thousands of, of thoughts in our heads and like 80% of them are negative. <laughs> so, I mean, and we're not even aware of it. Sometimes we don't even know that it's happening. How do you manage your own self-talk and do you have any advice for people on how to, to manage that? Yeah. So self-talk is huge because basically that's like the one most significant way we can 
alter our feelings and thoughts by thinking a certain way, right? So when we feel a certain way, it's because we're thinking these negative thoughts. And it's usually that inner critic that's just really loud in our heads. Um, and they might be distorted thoughts. That's what we don't recognize. Thoughts are not always true. And that's something that I learned probably close to my master's when I was doing it because, you know, demands became higher. I was more critical of my own abilities. The imposter syndrome came in. I didn't feel like I belonged in the program. So these things made me my confidence deplete. And then I realized that these thoughts were just distorted. It was, you know, all or nothing thinking. I mess up once and I just think everything is wrong or everything is just going upside down for me. Right. And to recognize that is where resiliency comes in. So if we are able to catch ourselves when we're thinking in this negative thinking loop and just, you know, being our worst critic when we should be uplifting ourselves because no one else is going to do it for us, you know, well, there, there can be support systems and we shouldn't be relying on outer external support systems to validate ourselves and to make us feel more resilient and better. That's so, it's that's, so important. Yeah, that it's, it's such a good thing for you to say that, you know, it's, you have to do it for yourself. Uh, I interviewed a, a guy that he said, no one's coming to save you. You know, it's, it's, we sometimes even, I think, especially as women, we tend to think, oh, we're going to have our white night or someone's going to come and just swoop us up. And, and that isn't the case. And if you, the sooner you know that and you just say, okay, I am responsible for my life and my thoughts really do create my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and just what you said is, is your thoughts are, I mean, they're creating everything about you. They're creating your emotions. (laughs) So the sooner we get that loop to, to be under control. Um, I, I practice little different things at night. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, if I wake up in the middle of the night, why is it so bad at night? Like, why do we just beat ourselves up in the middle of the night? You're like thinking about all the horrible things. But anyway, I say, I think about things that I love about either myself or my home or my career, anything. I just start thinking about all the things that I love about my life and it puts me back to sleep. Yeah. Gratitude, right? That's so important. Gratitude and Mm self-compassion. So then how much of our brain function, and this is a question I've had, and I'm so glad I get to ask you, (laughs) how much of our brain function is hereditary and how much can we actually affect? So this is a complicated question because there's no uh, quantifiable number for this, but research has shown that there's 30% of the brain, um, you know, the genes in our brain are active. So they have been expressed. So what is, what complicates things is our experiences in our lives can activate another gene that could lead to a certain mental health disorder or a certain you know, um, it could be a trigger almost. So when, when we, um, for example, are going through a really, really tough time, genetically, how our genes work, basically, either we can get out of it, or we could go more into a spiral of a mental illness. And the same thing is with physical illness. Sometimes in an environment, it plays a role in expressing that gene. So you might have this gene but it doesn't get expressed until 
you experience something and then you get that disorder or physical illness. So I think it's just more dependent on your environmental factors as well. But yeah, I th- I'd say 30%. Okay. Well, that's interesting. You know, that they, I think the same thing about cancer, right? They, they say that you can, most people are walking around with the cells that cause cancer or turn into cancer or whatever. And, th- but a lot of times you just, if you can be proactive, um, you know, maybe cause I know sugar feeds it. So the same thing with your brain then is maybe are there things we could do to be proactive, you know, like does meditation help? I mean, probably focusing on good thoughts, um, will help you to not be able to go spiral down the, uh, you know, the bad thought loop. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think, um, it's more about, so for example, if you have someone in your family that has anxiety, an anxiety-related disorder, especially your parent or your sibling, you are more likely to get that disorder because first, the way you're raised and the coping mechanisms that you have learned might not be working, right? So it's all, it's all about the learning part of things too. But when the genes come in, you're also more likely to get that disorder. And by practicing things strategies that can reverse it so the way you're feeling about things can really really help and there's so many things that you know you can do it's just because there's so many sometimes people get really overwhelmed and don't know what really works for them and i do want to remind everyone that not everything is going to work out for you some things might some things will not right okay that's fair i mean and that's a good that's actually really valid, good advice for people because, you know, sometimes we're, we're like, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, we go back to what you were saying, black and white, you know, everything, it's all or nothing. You know, we think, oh, everything's uh, so bad because I didn't get this or I didn't accomplish this and it's okay. You know, you're going to be okay. Whether you accomplish that, maybe it's leading you to something else, Um, which, which, so I think that's really, really good advice. Um, now, okay. So let's talk a little bit about social media. I talked about your Instagram and how much I love it. Um, so social media is really a kind of a, it's a new norm. I think, I mean, that's just the way I think we communicate. Do you think this is going to have a long-term effect on society? I mean, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's both. Um, so I'm, in a space in social media, that's very positive, right? So we can pick and choose how we tailor social media to our own needs. But for youth, I think there needs to be some barriers that need to be built because it can turn really negative and, you know, people are comparing themselves with other people's highlight reel, for example, um, which can cause a lot of, um, you know, it can deplete self-confidence, but also cause a lot of just distress in general. Um, And also the information that we're being fed is not entirely accurate all the time. And people don't know how to fact check this, this information, especially even news outlets and just anyone can put out anything. And especially in the form of a video, we just see it and we sometimes just believe it until we realize, oh my God, that was a fake edited video or someone just put out this information for us. Oh, I know that is, it is, that is a really good point. I hadn't thought about that when I was asking this question, but 
That's really true. I mean, you can, you have to be able to differentiate between using your own common sense of what is real and what is not real. And that's tough because Mm -hmm. I can't tell by looking at a video if it's been doctored or not, you know, so, but, and, and I also like that you said you can pick and choose. So I, I do think that we tend to compare a lot. Uh, and I, I, I always say, look, if some, if there's somebody's Instagram, that's just really making you sad because you're like, Oh, I can't, I I can't have that. Or I'm like, just don't just mute it for a second. You know, give yourself a break. Yeah. We should be able to handle it. But if you can't, and you're not in that place right now, then mute it and, and just, you know, just go on with your life. Uh, because saying to avoid social media altogether is a little bit unrealistic, I think. And I do, I did delete TikTok because it took me about, I mean, I would get on there. It's so interesting to me that I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't spend two hours on TikTok. Uh, It just isn't reasonable. So I eventually (laughs) deleted that and I don't miss it, you know, so I'm sure people are like, oh, you should be on TikTok. But uh, Instagram, you know, is great for me and Facebook, but I also do don't, I don't spend a lot of time on there. Do you have, are there certain ones you love? I definitely love Instagram the most because I think we have more control over what we can, what we follow and what we don't, right? Yes. Because if we stay in our home feed, we're following and we're looking at the accounts that we follow. Right. Um, And you brought up a really good point where you said that sometimes, like, if you are feeling sad about something, just cut it off. But one thing is that a lot of people don't know what, how some content is affecting them. It's so, subconscious. It's subconscious, yeah. Oh. And it's just so hard okay. sometimes to even try yeah. to realize, okay, is this, you know, because sometimes we're just, why do uh, I feel bad? Yeah, they're asking themselves, why do I feel bad right now? I shouldn't feel bad. It's subconscious. And, ah, okay. So I think, I think a good um, recommendation or suggestion here would be, really just start from the first account you follow and go down. And is it, is this account bringing value to me? If it's not, just don't follow it. It's just not worth it. You know, I like that. That's a great, yeah. that's a great advice because you, you know, you can, that's pretty easy to do. I've done that. Um, yeah, I've think. done that before where, yeah, I'm sure you have too. Cause we have to protect, I I'm old enough to know I got to protect my brain, you know, and sometimes whether it's feed that has turned, you know, I don't know, started talking about things. I'm just like, whoa, I don't want to hear about that anymore. So I just mute it. You know, it's, I'm, I'm trying to like not hurt people's feelings by not unfollowing them. So I'll just not, not look at their feed. So, yeah. So that's a great, that's great advice. And I think people could, could really gain value from that. Um, okay. So now you believe that, and I agree wholeheartedly with this statement that mental health is as important as physical health. So we have basics with physical health that we all kind of know, you know, eat healthy, exercise a certain amount, all that good stuff. Is there other things that for our mental health that we could do like basics for optimal mental health? So we kind of touched on this uh, a few minutes ago, and I am going to come back to the same thing that different things work for different people, but some of the main things that really help are challenging those negative thoughts. So if we realize, okay, I'm being mean to myself. I'm not 
thinking um, realistically in a sense, uh, how can I make this thought more realistic? How can I practice self-compassion right now? So really just being aware of our thoughts and challenging those negative ones to realize, is this thought true? Or is, you know, what evidence do I have that this thought is true? And what evidence do I have that this thought is not true? Just asking these two questions when we are in distress or when we think, you know, somebody doesn't like us or we're not good enough in something, that could really help. Another thing is meditation, journaling, yeah. um, and physical exercise also really, really helps with mental health. Um, and I would encourage everyone to just move their body, even if it's just for 10 to 20 minutes a day, just do something like yoga, something that just allows you to get that heart rate up and just, you know, get that breathing flowing. Yeah, that's so, that's really good. So I think basic, basically, um, meditation and journaling for me are, have been extremely helpful. And I'll tell you along the same point that you said, challenging negative thoughts and, you know, being aware of your thoughts. So when I journal, sometimes I'll say, I'm feeling this today, or I woke up feeling this today. And then maybe why, why would I be feeling that, you know? And so just kind of get it out on paper. And sometimes you look at it and you're like, boy, that's really silly, you know? So it's, that's really good advice to meditate, to journal and to move your body as basic, you know, optimal health, mental health. Uh, and when you journal, maybe you can challenge those negative thoughts, which I think is really great because we all have them and I wish we didn't, but, but I, you know, I think, I think that's something that's universal. I, you know, yeah, that's part of being human. That's something we all have. So right. And it normal. <laughs> makes everyone feel better, you know, and it, not that I guess, you know, the old saying misery loves company and it's, I don't ever like even hearing that, but we all have certain aspects to our, like you said, it's being human and it's okay. It's okay mm -hmm. to have those thoughts, but be aware that you're having them because just like you said with social media, it can be a subconscious like thing that's affecting us and you don't realize it. So be aware, go through and be proactive and delete the accounts or mute the accounts that are making you feel bad about yourself or what making you feel whatever, you know? So, all right. Now, who are some of your mentors? Are you have some people that have really inspired you? Definitely. There's, I get inspired um, by some figures that are very personal in my life. So for example, my research advisor, my dad, my mom, like they're very hardworking parents. And, you know, I've seen them immigrate to a brand new country and start from zero, leave right. their jobs, like very, they were both professors back home. So they were starting from nothing here with three teenage kids. And wow. That just so brave. Me. <laughs> I know. And we're so it glad. Like I I love to see that. It's so anytime that we have that here in America too. And I and I'm always like, that's the American dream, right? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Is that is that the Canadian do they say that that's the kind of the Canadian dream or I think I've I think I've listened heard, heard that? that on uh, Dragon's Den or something, but okay. I, I haven't I've never heard this in real life. I think American dream is a more um, popular saying, yeah. but it is basically, you know, a, a, the Canadian dream, like you're coming into this new world for new opportunities for better education. And that's the exact reason my parents immigrated with three kids. So it's really, really inspiring to see where they are now 
um, after such uh, you know, hard work and struggle. And they remind me that anything you want to achieve in life requires hard work and you know, putting yourself past your comfort zone, which it, they exactly did. Um, That's wonderful advice yeah. coming from your parents. Good yeah. for them. <laughs> but, but it's also paying off in, you know, the value that you're adding to everyone as well. So I, I thank you for that. Um, one last question. I always have to ask the, my, my interview, the people that I interview from Canada, I just love them so much, but you're, um, is there anywhere in Canada that we must visit because it's so beautiful from the pictures. I've not been to Canada. My husband's been several times. Um, is there somewhere that you're like, Oh my gosh, if you come here, you have to go here. Lake Louise. Le Lake like, Louise, okay. Yes, it's, it's actually, uh, so I lived in Vancouver for seven years or so, like we immigrated there. Okay. Um, such a beautiful place. But if you go to Lake Louise area, which is probably, um, it's in Alberta, so it's in the next province, but it's so beautiful. It feels like a dream. So if you ever come to Canada, you have to visit Lake Louise. Okay. All right. Lake Louise yeah. it is. All right. That sounds amazing. Well, this has been so much fun. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends because we're just going to keep going bigger and better places together. And I love that about us. Talk to you in a few days.